listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony. Thank you all for joining us today, and I'm hoping you're all doing fantabulous. And for those of you out there who don't know what that means, it's fantastic and fabulous. Put together twice as nice. It's a double a double uh, niceness, double fantastic and fabulous and just wonderful. Are you doing fantabulous today, Vita? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Staring at your nice shirt with a pride flag. I love it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I, I love the pride flag. It just means so much to me. It, it, a lot of people have a misunderstanding of the flag. They think it's just a gay, just gay pride. It isn't. It's, it was originally, um, when it was created, it was originally meant for every, meaning everyone's included. So that's why I love it so much. My guest today is DFL Senate District 57 Chair and member on the uh, State Executive Committee and Chair Emeritus of the DFL Environmental Caucus, Vita Connitz. Hello, Vita. Welcome to the Downright Upright Show. Hey, Philip. Good morning. How you doing? Actually, afternoon, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Right. It's so hot today, isn't it? It's it's going to be a gorgeous day. It's not uh, ninety seven plus, you know. Oh, it's, so it, it's going to be better than eighties. Yeah, I, th- oh, I think it's good, going to be good. nice. All right. Well, it's been really hot um, the last few days, and I've been sweltering and, and I'm it, living in the air conditioning. That's what I'm doing. So before we talk about your duties as caucus chair, uh, would you tell us a little bit about your beginning? So where you were born, raised, went to school, and anything you want to add to that. Sure. Um, I grew up in a small town, East Troy, Wisconsin. Um, My dad had been a farmer turned factory worker in order to support his five kids. Mom um, had a degree in English, minor in history, and uh, was basically a stay-at-home mom. Um, And so I grew up in a great small town where everybody knew everybody. Um, but it was during a, a rather just time of unrest in our country where the Vietnam War was going on and we were listening to Nixon's lies night after night on TV. Oh, so boy. being political um, is like in my blood. I blew up, I grew up with a, a New Yorker mom who would be, you know, cussing at the television, but also writing to Bill Proxmire and other representatives from Wisconsin and got to know them well. They'd stop by our house and answer her. Um, so I just, from the beginning, I was brought up with uh, democratic values. Uh, Mom often spoke about how hard dad worked and how little he made in compa- compared to the CEOs of the company, you know, and um, how just unfair it was. Yeah, but that was, you know, in the 60s and 70s. Correct. Um, when you when you worked, it was the, the CEO maybe made five to ten percent, you know, ten times more than the worker. Now today, it's like ridiculous. Now it's just so bad. So we were complaining back then. Imagine if she was, uh, uh, you know, if you were be growing up in this society, uh, uh, you know, in the modern times, yeah, right? Exactly. Well, and then the company closed and moved to Mexico for cheaper labor. Oh, of course, um, yeah. You know, but dad with that farm mentality of workmanship, um, you know, never stopped working. And at, at like 55, 65, learned how to, um, how to be a cook. He had never cooked before, but he learned how to be a cook and, and did that in my uh, brother-in-law's restaurant. Any specialty cook or just general? Italian restaurant. 
stop really yeah. well i'm italian so i, I love italian food it was wonderful what's his specialty do you, do you spaghetti remember? sauce yes he, oh, the he, sauce. except it was hard to scale the recipe down from cooking for you know hundreds of people to just for the family but but he'd pull it out and and do it yeah wow i remember my mo- my mother god rest her soul was a great cook and i would stand there over her shoulder and watch her make sauce and I mean, there was a difference between sauce and gravy, if you were Italian. You know, gravy had the meat in it, and the sauce was just a regular marinara there sauce. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could talk about food all day. But uh, initially, how did you become involved in DFL politics? What, what was precipitated that? So, again, I grew up in a political house, um, and... You know, when I had young kids, you're very busy as a mom. I had four children and so didn't have a lot of time for volunteer work, but would always go to caucus and, you know, was a delegate at conventions and things. Um, But I got more involved, really learned the power of grassroots, I think, when the vote no marriage amendment thing came out. Um, That just motivated me to get more involved. through my church in Burnsville, Open Circle Church. We became a, a, a phone calling location. Um, we helped, I helped put on and organize the first county-wide event for that. So just did a lot of volunteer work. And then I started to learn that, hey, I can train other people, explain this to people, talk to people, learned how to speak you know, I'm a science teacher, so data and facts are something that come to mind a lot, but that's not what touches people. You have to speak from the heart. And that, you know, that defeating that marriage amendment happened because we talked about love. Love is love. Everybody wants the right to marry someone mm-hmm. they love in front of their family and their community. Yeah. It wasn't about legalities or um, discrimination. It was really about love. And, yeah. and that spoke volumes. And, yeah. of course, we were one of the first states, I think the first state to pass it, right? Or to yeah. defeat that amendment. Uh, yeah. And then went right on to... Uh, I think we're the first state uh, to do it by plebiscite rather than the Supreme Court. Is that how it went? It was, a, it was a vote. It was a constitutional amendment vote. So, oh, it was a yeah. vote. The people voted. Yep, yep. they voted. In, um, and then shortly after, right, we had marriage equality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then shortly after that, in August, my uh, one of my sisters married her love, and oh. uh, yeah, I never cried so hard at a wedding. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, believe me. I mean, if you went to our wedding, I uh, wasn't a dry eye in the house. First of all, because I never, you know, I'm an older gay man. Never thought in my entire life. First of all, we were demonized. I was in the closet for a while. I mean, it was just awful. Then AIDS came along, and then we were like pariahs, you know. The whole th- we we went through all of this discrimination. So I never thought in my wildest dreams I'd be able to get married, and that I would be recognized as a citizen. And next thing you know, it happened. It was just surreal. To Pure me. joy. Absolutely. Pure joy. So that kind of gave me the idea that I had a voice. That could make a difference. And I, I by what, no way take credit. I mean, this was a huge movement, and we came in and just, you know, the wonderful organizing used it, and, 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 it, and it paid off. Um, but then I got more involved. I, climate change has uh, always been a huge issue for me. Mm-hmm. Um, where I teach, I started a student group and worked with the school on lowering their carbon footprint and getting grants to do different things to help with recycling and composting and other things. Um, 
and uh, you know, had always just been active in environmental organizations, joined Citizens Climate Lobby, went to DC several times to speak to legislators from all over the country, Republican and Democratic, about the need to act on climate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, so, an it's an existential threat to our life. I mean, people think it's a joke. Uh, you know, I mean, if you look around, I mean, look at the temperatures. The, the, we, we, I think we've reached the highest temperatures in history of recorded, the world. Yes. Recorded history yes. uh, this past month. Yeah, we uh, broke records. We broke records. And there's either flooding, drought, there's, there's extremes in, in climate. And, and, um, and then you have Republicans saying, oh, that's just, that's all fake and that's just not happening. And it's kind of bothersome to people with common sense Yes. It's like, you know, like if I show you this and say, this is a magic marker and a Republican will say, no, that's a pencil. Right. You know, it's like you're looking at it and you see it's happening and you hear from scientists it's happening, but they're telling you it's not. It's very insulting to my intelligence. I don't know about you. Well, but. you just, you can't add, you can't add um, all that CO2 to the atmosphere that we've added without changing the climate. Yeah. It is it's well, physically and chemically not possible. And, mm -hmm. and we've known that for a long time. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, moving on to the next question. When did you become SD57 chair and how did that come about? So when, when and how? So when I first started to get more involved in local politics, I, w I went down to New Prague in Belle Plaine, which was my Senate district, mm -hmm. and became the vice chair there and then eventually the chair. Um, and that was great, but I live in Lakeville. My kids went to Lakeville High School, so I was driving down to New Prague and Belle Plaine and, and um, associating with people who were great, but it wasn't really felt like my community. And then with de redistricting um, the part of Lakeville, uh, all of Lakeville and Newmarket Township where I live became part of a new Senate district, Senate District 57. Mm -hmm. um, and they needed a chair. And... Um, I stepped up and said I would run and did some recruiting of other people to run with me. Um, so I have an amazing vice chair, Phil Wilson, and other people on the on our in our group that um, are very active and and just ready to make change in Lakeville. Are you are you um, aspiring to higher office maybe someday? Maybe do something political like run for for um, representative or senate or. Or uh, I don't know a school board or something like that. What do you is that in your future? Do you think, or you're going to stay with doing this for a while? Very possibly, as as one representative pointed out to me, with all the hours that you are volunteering for the DFL, it wouldn't be more work for you. It would be just a different type of work, you know, to run for office. But. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, it's not in my immediate plans. I, I'm finishing up a teaching career here. I've been a teacher for 43 years. Science teacher. Science teacher, high school. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see. Um, I'm not really sure what's next. I might turn more to nonprofit work. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of great environmental well, organizations do, out there. Thank you. Yeah, it's, amazing. It's, I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, good luck. Keeping my options open. Exactly. Keep every door open. Oh, always. And, and new any... experiences uh -huh. lead to things that I never imagined I'd be doing. Absolutely. Um, so being chair emeritus of the DFL Environmental Caucus, you are a climate advocate, as I am, discussing climate before. 
What are some things that concern you when it comes to climate change and its effects on the environment? So for me, it's like, you know, the obvious things like, you know, where um, farmers don't have enough water to keep their plants alive because the climate's changing so drastically that the, the drought is killing all their crops. Um, there are parts of the country where there's flooding and people's houses are getting uh, ripped apart and taken away. And uh, I could go on and on, but can you expound on that a little bit? Well, this is uh, a really a deep question, and it, it's very multifaceted. It, of course, climate change is affecting our ability to grow food, to feed people. It is affecting uh, just the ability for people to survive with all these heat waves we're having. You know, there's been a record number of deaths in Europe and here. Yep. And, of course, if you have air conditioning, you know, you've got an escape. But many people work outside. They're farming. They're migrant workers. They're construction workers that... that don't get the relief or don't have air conditioning at home. Uh, I heard in Europe only like 10% of the houses have air conditioning. I really? mean, that, yeah, it's like flip that here, right? Mm -hmm. And they're not used to those heat waves. It's not normal for them. So mm -hmm. uh, they're really suffering. Um, and then when we start to look at these climate tipping points, um, you know, that's really scary to me, the idea that we could unleash the permafrost in the Arctic or in Antarctic and all places you know, like Alaska and drive all that methane up into the atmosphere and then game over. Or um, just what's happening with the um, Gulf Stream, right, slowing down and predictions that it could, could stop, you know, by as early as 2025 or could be, you know, 2095. It's, it's a difficult thing to predict, but all of that should call us, cause us all very grave concern. Um, I have grandkids, and I want them to to experience the same, you know, love of nature that I have and be able to enjoy the outdoors. Um, when you when you mentioned your grandkids, you, you, you had a tear, like almost like your eyes started welling up because I see how much love you have for them. And, and I don't have any children, but if I did, um, and my friend's children I think about all the time, we are destroying the planet for the future generations, and we, are, and, we're and we have some people who claim it's not happening. That bothers me a lot. Oh, my goodness, yes. I mean, I, I just was tabling at a booth um, in Elko Newmarket after the parade, and people were telling me, oh, that's a bunch of hoo-ha, it's all really? hype. And really? I'm like, and they, it's just part of a cycle, you know, how the Earth's tilt changes, and, our, and I'm like... Well, yes, I teach science, I understand, but those are, you know, 100,000-year cycle, and um, this has nothing to do with that, right? This is human cause. There's no other way to explain it. You simply can't add the amount of CO2 we've added to the atmosphere and not change the climate. And, you know, people say, how do we know? Well, we have ice core records. We have other proxy data. So if you actually start to study paleoclimatology, and you see that all of these facts, whether it be from ice core records or pollen or sediment studies, they collaborate each other. They tell the same story. Mm -hmm. And that's why the science is so strong. I mean, scientists would love it if there were another explanation, if this were just a blip. But when you start to look at probabilities of the number of heat events we've had or the number of floods and droughts and the hurricanes that grow from one to five in 24 hours, I mean, oh, there's, yeah. a, there's, there's no way these things could happen without our changing climate. Yeah, and you know what, uh, Vida? I um, was watching 
a uh, program, I think it was on PBS, if I'm not mistaken, but they were talking about coral reefs in, uh, oh, off yes. the coast of Florida. There's only 10% of what they had just a few years ago. Out of 100% of coral reefs that were in, in Florida, the Florida coral reefs were beautiful. I mean, they, they, they created life. They were sustained life. There's only 10% of them left. Yeah. What's going to happen? What, what, what can be the result of losing the coral reefs? Well, these are, uh, as you may know, they're like breeding grounds for a lot of the fish and things that we rely on for food. And right, right, right. if, um, you know, once you get that water gets too warm, what usually happens is they bleach out, which means they lose the cyanobacteria that helps them to, you know, in a symbiotic relationship to get enough energy. Right, um, right. And in Florida, the water's so warm, what I just heard is that it's not actually that, it's just killing them. It's just outright too darn hot for the species to survive. Oh, and boy. so they're going around trying to take samples of rare species to like put them in a tank and preserve them. Because, you know, we are in the Anthropocene. We are in what- What does that mean? Anthropocene, geologists tell us it's a new era in our geologic time scale because humans are changing our planet. Well, anthro having to do yes, with Yes, anthro-human, okay, just yeah, like it's yeah. anthropogenic climate change. Right, and right. so when we look at the rate of species extinction, it's many, many times the normal rate. And when we look at, at ecology and how we survive those interrelationships that keep us healthy and um, allow us to live and sustain, you know, whether it's getting oxygen because of the phytoplankton in the ocean or the plants on land or the rainforests, you know, cleaning the air, we can survive without that. There is a true value. Yeah. Um, there's so much. There's so many things that climate change is doing to destroy our planet. I mean, I can go on and on about like, um, you know, the melting Arctic uh, caps, uh, oh, sure. wh where the water has to go somewhere, Flooding. and if it pours into the Atlantic or the Pacific or which, whatever ocean you want to pick. Um, water levels are going to rise, and that coastal cities will be flooded. Um, is, uh, doesn't it have something to do with the red tide in Florida as well, too? Is that? Uh, um... I think there is because of the warmer water that there are issues with the tide. Okay, I yeah. know there's also a dead zone, you know, in the Gulf of Mexico that's many, many times worse because of the nutrient enrichment and the warmer waters is all driving those those uh, algae to flourish. Um, it's just again. When we look at, and like coral, I don't know if you've ever been to a coral reef, but I had the chance to. Wish I did. They're beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I've seen the ones in, on TV in Australia. Right. That are absolutely, I mean, the colors and the, the life is just absolutely beautiful. And I think they're losing their coral reefs too, aren't they, in Australia? Some areas have, yes. And I guess if the bleaching isn't too bad, and sometimes they can come back. Um, when the waters, you know, change. But I think the concern is, of course, with this long-term warming that we're having and also acidification of the ocean. It's not just about temperatures. Most of the CO2 that we put in the atmosphere has gone into the oceans, and that makes carbonic acid. And the real concern is, as the oceans are becoming more acidic, at some point, those corals will not be able to make their reefs. Uh, oh the organisms that form their tiny shells mm -hmm. of a carbonate material will not be able to do it. Yeah. Um, the reason I mentioned the red tide um, before was another, it, it was another thing they were talking about. Um, because, you know, climate change, 
you know, they used to call it global warming, and the reason they changed it is because it's not only the planet's not only warming, uh, but it could also be extreme extremes in temperatures and Absolutely. extremes. So the, the the term global warming was was become antiquated. Am I right? Is that what you? What yes, you it's it's. Um you can't adequately describe it. It is not just about the fact that our temperature, you know, here in Minnesota in the winter has warmed five degrees. Obviously, that's had huge impact, right? Right, right. Um, but it is also the extremes. Our jet stream has changed. Right, right. And therefore, um, it's it's slower, and it tends to get wavier, and what's happening is, is weather patterns are getting stuck. Mm. So that those heat waves that we've had, the heat domes over the Midwest, you know, mm. that's part of that. Yeah, yeah. Or the blizzard that the East Coast was getting weekend after weekend, you know, a winter ago. That was that's that's a part of that, and it's kind of a new event that is still being studied to totally understand what's causing it. But there's a lot of data to to assume that it is climate related. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to thank you personally um, for your uh, advocacy as far as the planet is concerned and our environment because we only god only gave us one planet you exactly. know and uh, we have to nurture it and take care of it I, I hate to move away from this subject because i know how much passion you have for me well maybe we'll touch on it again later sure. but i want to talk about um the duties and challenges you've experienced um uh being the caucus chair uh can you Enumerate the environmental the... caucus? Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so in 2014, a number of us uh, were at convention, and, and there were other caucuses being recognized. And we kind of questioned, why isn't there an environmental caucus? It seemed unconscionable that with this big DFL party that we would not have a group dedicated to environmental issues mm -hmm. and advocating for it. Um, and so we got one started. We did it in about a year, which I was told was pretty miraculous um, to get a constitution written and have elections. Um, I was elected chair and, and served six years as chair. Mm -hmm. um, and we grew the caucus from that first batch of 25 or so people to 1,400 is our current membership with about 200 that are active, uh, which means they attend a meeting um, within the last year, a forum that we put on. Um, and the challenges, well, we're statewide. So holding events where you are inclusive of people from all over the state, getting involvement. We've done pretty well getting people from CD8, CD2, CD4, CD5. We're a little weak in CD7 and 1. Yeah, but, you know, I, I'm, I hate to interrupt you, but I, I'm, I'm finding this very befuddling, I guess is a good word, because the people up up at the, in the range area in the north, um, they're gravitating towards the Republican Party right now, right? But yet we are the party of climate to fight climate change, and farmers live up there, and um, their farms are at stake. You know, their 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 livelihoods are at stake. Can you explain the the dichotomy there? Why are we? Why on one hand are they voting this way, but yet we're the ones that have their back? I guess is what I'm saying. That's really tricky. There's a lot of issues. I think some of the areas um, up north and in, down in CD1 are a little behind us in terms of social consciousness, in terms of our awareness of LGBT rights, 
and um, so they're you're so basically issues. you're saying their hatred of LGBT is much more important I, than, I, than climate change. I, I, and I, there's not one answer. There are also people that you know have come in brainwashed to think that we have to do copper nickel mining, we have to, you know, exploit the environment at all expenses so that we have these jobs that we've had in the past. It, There's it's a it's a it's a tricky answer. I don't. No, and, yeah, I know, and I I can't figure it out either. But 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 um, I don't know if you know the answer to this. I'm gonna, you know, ask you anyway. Copper nickel mining is very important to them up there. They, that's their thing. Is there a way to do that safely for the environment, or there's just well, I'm no... I'm so glad you asked, because there's... this isn't, you know, I didn't just start the Environmental Caucus along with others because of climate change. It's also because we need to protect our water. As Minnesotans, we, course, value, we, water, we yeah. value the right to live and recreate and enjoy our clean water, right, in our parks. Um, and there is absolutely no example of doing copper nickel mining safely in a water-rich environment. It can't be done. Mm. Um, and so the science, the data backs us when we say prove it first, show us that you can operate a mine for 10 years and then have it closed for 10 years without causing surface and groundwater damage. And they can't do it. They'll claim they can, but the data shows otherwise. And you know, we got a ban on this for 20 years in the Boundary Waters area, right? A federal ban. Thank you, President Biden and people like Betty McCollum that worked very hard for that. But we need to think about the interconnectedness of those watersheds. Uh, Lake Superior is very much in danger from copper nickel mining. The St. Louis River, which we've spent millions to clean up, um, is in danger. Um, now they want to do a talon mine on the St. Croix. What, you know, the beautiful St. Croix River, which Talon would be a mining, a new mining proposal. It's supposed to be underground. They're trying to sell it. It's something small. What about taconite mining? Taconite. Um, Is that safe? Well, we've done that a lot longer. They know more how to do it. But unfortunately, there are some taconite mines that um, where they're mining iron ore and they're using, taking it from rock that is higher in sulfide and they are polluting the environment with that sulfur oh also. And, and their state just keeps licensing them, even though they're beyond that 10 part per minute limit. Mm. So, you know, people tell us, oh, we have regulation that will protect us, and we have to very loudly say no. The regulations we have are not being properly enforced. Mm -hmm. And so we need to stand up and say, not here. Okay, so uh, I'm going on this subject a little longer than I wanted, but I, I, I find it, it's very, you have a lot of passion towards it, so I'm going to ask you another question. What, what I think maybe would be a good idea, I'm just tossing a ball in the air and see if you catch it. Um, so up north, the big reason, I think, personally, that they are voting the way they do um, up north is because these mines are providing them with jobs. And can we develop clean jobs, clean energy jobs, uh, ways to give these people uh, a livelihood, to make money for their families, rather than you know, uh, mining and causing water damage um, so people have are drinking poisonous water or 
Do you follow what I'm saying? I mean, Absolutely, it, it, and, and the answer is yes, and it's being done, but we need more of it. I mean, part of the issue is we need broadband, right? We need border-to-border -border broadband so people have access to Internet. Um, one of the representatives from, from ICD talked to the miners and their families about why they really were pushing this way of life, and uh, it turns out when you talk to the kids... They've left and gone to the cities where they're doing <laughs> high-tech jobs, right? right yeah, um, and they don't want to come back and work in the mines. No. And so there's like this disconnect between generations about what is really valued and what is wanted. And I want to push back on the whole idea a little bit that the whole northern Minnesota is pro-mining and pro, you know, there's like we got Jen McEwen was elected and serves and is doing an amazing job up in Duluth, right? Uh -huh. um, so there are people, there's a group called Duluth for Clean Water, we've got Water Legacy, we've got Friends of the Boundary Waters. There are many, many groups that are advocating for clean water and for protecting our environment. And at the same time, renewable energy, right? So we've got a new solar plant up there that's going to open up. Um, we have things happening like um, off-road biking in, in abandoned mines. So there are other things right. that you can do to attract tourism and to and to attract industry. But mm -hmm. again, it's, um, it's going to take time and effort. And, and of course, I agree with my friends in, in the DFL unions that these need to be good-paying union jobs. I agree. See, that's this is where you know you got to if you want people to vote, you know, for for clean um, energy, for clean water, for clean air, you have to give them a reason of a, a job. Yes, where and they training. can go into that field and make money like they did before. Absolutely, and that's my thing. You know, I think we need to put a lot more money. The state has a lot of money now because of the, uh, you know, the, um, uh, what do they call it? The um, not, the opposite of deficit. <laughs> I can't, right. The, the, yeah, the extra money. The 18 billion, yeah. yeah the 18 but the 3 billion from this last session are going into climate. Good. And Perfect. so, you know, our, our House Climate Caucus has done a great job advocating. Mm -hmm. And of course, on a federal level, the, you know, Inflation Reduction Act is putting money into communities yes, for these kinds of projects that can benefit everyone. And the word was surplus. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I had deficit in my head. I don't know why. Anyway, um, let's, let's, let, this is a good segue. We could, we could talk about the uh, Minnesota trifecta. Yeah. Uh, having three branches of, of our government uh, being controlled by, by the Democrats, the DFL, we like to call them. Uh, what accomplishments would you say uh, the DFL trifecta has made to make life better for Minnesotans? And I know there's a, a whole bunch. Oh, but, yeah. But, but in your, uh, sitting across from me right now, and um, I can tell you my, you know, mine, but what are some of the ones that you really are so happy about? Paid family leave comes mm. to mind, uh, you know, protecting women's reproductive rights. Mm. Uh, the fact that we're a trans refugee st state. Mm. I am a teacher and I have, you know, there are students who are going through changing identities or unsure and need to feel welcome and valued in our schools. Mm -hmm. And all of these things set us apart from our neighbors, right? We are becoming an island. We are becoming... Uh, nationally, a state to look to uh, with these progressive um, items, putting money into infrastructure, 
um, putting money into education. You know, as a public school teacher, I've seen year after year being asked to do more with less. For more and more things, we're asking kids and their families for money. And that, that's just not right. Not everybody can do that, right? Not mm -hmm. everybody has that money. Um, what do you feel about just, the, 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 the children um, having uh, free, free lunch? Free yeah. lunch, yeah. No, you know, we just did a booth. Okay, I was at the Scout County Fair mm -hmm. with my DFL group, Scott County DFL, you know, from different Senate districts. And we did a corn poll. And people put corn kernels in, which, yeah. which thing was most important to them of all the accomplishments. We right, had like right. eight of them listed. Um, and uh, legalizing marijuana, I mean, recreational use cannabis, was, was, I think, way up there, as was paid family leave, as was the kids came around and put the kernel in the free and reduced Aww, lunch. You know, yeah, you don't yeah. want to be embarrassed because your parents forgot to put money, uh, lunch money in or because they're a little short that month. Yeah, yeah. And you end up coming to lunch with just, you know, half a sandwich or something. You know, I'm hearing that, um, uh, again, uh, how important this is to some families because this could be the only meal some of these children are having uh, all we day. We are supplementing a lot. We are sending meal kits home with them for the weekends. And, oh, you wonderful. know, resource centers open up to help, too. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's sad, but we are, I, there are things that we can do to help bridge that gap. Um, everybody needs to have food security in order to do the other things that are gonna help them succeed, right? Yeah. Can't, you can't learn if you have a, an empty stomach. Correct, and, and you know, uh, again, I love Minnesota because of everything that's happening, and the LGBTQ community is thrilled because of the, all of these things they're passing. The conversion therapy. Yes, thing. oh my God. Uh, when, Thank you, Hunter Cantrell, who started that movement. When and then that passed, yes. you know, I, I think I mentioned this on another show where I had a friend who lived in West Virginia uh, back in the day and told me how um, to, get to, to, to pray away the gay, they would put uh, children, young young boys, and uh, I don't. I, I want to say children because they were like, you know, pubescent boys, in coffins, with the with you know, laying there, and then people would line up from the family and from the community with the Bible in their hand and beating the child oh God. to beat the gay out. This oh is God. what what they were going through. This was their way of converting. The, and it never worked, you know. Gee, funny thing. Yeah, because you are who you are. Absolutely. You know, it, it, why can't people get that? You know, and then this indoctrination and, and grooming BS that they're trying to push. I, look, if anybody should have been straight, it should have been me. Because <laughs> I went to a Catholic school my whole life, you know. Uh, always surrounded by people using the, the, the I, I, this word that I don't like. It starts with an F and has an A and two Gs in the middle. That word was thrown around like all the time, and it was like. And when I started to develop as a as a young man, I started to realize that I could be that word, mm. and it was so self deprecating to me. It was uh, it made me feel, you know, awful that nobody was validating me. You know, um, I didn't come out because of that, and so here I am standing here, sixty three years old, as a gay man. So none of that, nobody indoctrinated me to make me no. gay. It was just something I always knew that I was. And um, any, you want to add to that? Well, I, I just, I'm seeing in the public schools where we're getting pushback from white Christian parent groups like Moms for Liberty. 
right? Hate groups. That, what do they believe? Well, the only way is their so-called, you know, way of oh, So they're evangelical. Evangelical uh, type, yeah. right? Who, uh -huh. who are just, you know, very much right-wing Republican thinking types. And um, so they feel like we're putting their little white Christian boy on edge because we because we have GSAs, because we celebrate Pride, because we celebrate Black History Month, because we call attention and value diversity. My Republican um, counterparts in SD57 are, are totally against diver diversity and inclusion efforts. And it's just, you know, all they can talk about is lower taxes, that's lower taxes, lower taxes, right. and, yeah, yeah. and parent control. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, we're a public school we have to show our students and that we value and welcome all of them. So mm -hmm. if we put up a pride poster, that doesn't mean that we don't value our straight students, right? Straight students are wonderful. Exactly. I mean, I, that's, that's you, not you know, like, allies yeah. to me are, and I, and I talk about this on my show all the time. If you're an ally, it means that you are not part of the LGBT community, but you support us because you believe in our humanity and the fact that we are Americans. We pay taxes. We, you know, yes. we do everything you do. We have families like you do. We love like you do. So why not just, you know, even though you're a straight person, I, I respect you. I don't, I don't want you to have less rights. No. I, 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 uh, you know, obviously my whole family's straight. I mean, I don't have, I don't understand why they think we are against them. They should be all in for this because then it, it means that everybody is part of a, the community. Yes. So. And it's not just gay straight. I mean, it's also religious. So right. our public schools, I have students in my class that are Muslim, that are Hindu, Jewish. that are atheists, that are Jewish, that come mm -hmm. from all different religions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so... They want us to embrace, you know, the one way of teaching or as a science teacher that I should tell the other side of the story with evolution, which is, you know, I just laugh, you know, which, which story would you like me to tell? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, yeah. But, you know, but the thing is also um, there are some people, they think that everybody in the United States is a, a, a right-wing Christian. And you have to realize, too, because I got married in a church, the Lutheran Church hmm. married us. So there are many churches in this yes. country that are considered left-leaning churches. Oh, sure. I'm in one. Me too. Yeah. And there's also um, the Jewish community. I had a Jewish friend tell me this really quick. Um, in the Torah, the Torah, is that how you pronounce Torah. it? Torah. The uh -huh. Torah. They... Um, they believe it's in it's listed in the Bible. It's it's delineated that life that God created life when He breathed into human human beings. Yeah. So when a baby takes its first breath, that's when life begins. Yes. So a Jewish person could literally go to the Supreme Court and say abortion should be legal for everyone because I'm Jewish and my my Torah says. Life begins at first breath. What are your feelings about that? Yes, I've heard that also from uh, genetic engineering. People working on genetic engineering, the whole thing with, you know, we're using um, stem cells in research. And it was a Jewish scientist who said, you know, according to my religious beliefs, mm -hmm. this is not, I'm not taking life. This is, you know, pre-birth. So it is not an issue. 
Um, and so we have to value everyone's opinion. And there are, I mean, that's why we have separation of church and state, right? Of course. And, and yeah. we need to honor that. So um, now we've come to the part of the show I like to call the shift. And don't forget to say the F because then otherwise we have problems. It's uh -oh. the shift. Yeah, got it. Yes. Uh, where I uh, shift the questioning away from, you know, your, your personal um, journey in life and to your opinions about current events and things that are going on today. Are you ready for that? Sure. Okay, so now we're going to hear what you think about things. So well, let's talk about some of the things in the news, you know, that are happening right now. Okay, so just so my listeners know, I had a bug and I was supposed to do your interview and somebody else's and I had to cancel remember that yep and just because of you know obviously I don't want to get you sick and I want to get my other guests sick so I did a rant and I just sat here by myself and started talking about issues so um, on my last rant I talked about the newly approved education guidelines regarding the new Florida curriculum in middle school uh, that middle school teachers must teach students about how slaves develop skills during their enslavement that could be applied for their personal benefit. That's the quote. In the, in it, you can actually read that in the uh, curriculum. Can you comment on this new curriculum promoted by Governor Ron DeSantis? What do you feel about that? Oh, this is wrong on so many levels. I know. Uh, you, you can't change history. History is history. And... You can ignore it and whitewash it, but you're doing a huge disservice because it's going to repeat itself. So when I read that, I thought of my personal history, that I have relatives who died in Auschwitz, that you know, I'll never know their story. Mm -hmm. um, and that would be like, like saying that it never happened or that it somehow valued the Jews got something out of it. You know what I mean? To me, that's just an absolutely ridiculous statement. I What don't could have been the benefit from that? There is no none, benefit. None, just as there's no benefit to taking someone and you know taking them from their families and enslaving them and forcing them into labor. And by the way, they came with skills. And, uh, These yeah. were people, real people, <laughs> yeah. that had been doing jobs uh -huh, and had uh -huh. skills. Oh, yeah, you don't have to tell me. You, yeah. Well, I'm just, you, you asked, so you're getting it, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, the same thing with Native Americans. I mean, oh, my God. What we did to them, I mean, there's no benefit. They no. didn't get a benefit for, did we, maybe we, we taught them how to cook certain things or make, you know. No. But, but that's not something you would want to teach when it comes to teaching Native American studies. You want to teach how uh, they were moved, they, their families were uprooted, they were moved out, they were killed, they were treated. And there's historical trauma that we have to understand as teachers. When yeah. you have a student Native American in your class, their families have experienced that. Probably yeah, yeah, their yeah, grandparents. Exactly. And... So, and, and as a teacher, um, going through education school, 76 mm -hmm. to 80, and then getting my graduate study, you know, master's in the 90s, no one taught me this. Mm -hmm. I was never told about that. I learned about it in seed classes, uh, seeking equity, diversity classes that I took voluntarily. Mm -hmm. Not everyone even knows this stuff, you know? So it's like we also need to change our educational system so that we know the real stories. Right. And, and if we don't do that... Yeah, we have to teach... Exactly, Vida. We have to teach history the way it happened. So slavery happened. These are all the things that the um, 
these slaves, remember, it was chattel slavery, so you weren't, they weren't even considered human. No. Um, what happened to the Native Americans and explain what really happened. Don't say, well, the benefit they got out of it was, no, I don't want to hear that. Uh, the same thing when it comes to the Holocaust. There is no benefit. No. That, so all of these things in, that historically happened, we just should teach them and don't give these little, uh, you know, uh, codicils to say, you know, to make the person that was the subjugator feel better, because no. Or to make us feel better, right? Like, oh, we're such a wonderful country, this wasn't really bad, yeah. and look how far they've come, right? We had a black president after all, right? Yeah. I mean, well, that's the kind of stuff you hear. And it's well, that's just... why we got Donald Trump, because we had a black president. That's what I feel, anyway. <laughs> that was the reaction, yeah. That was a re because, you know, when the pendulum swings one way, it's, you know, it bad. swings right back all the way to the other side. So, um, again, to my listeners, just so you know, Slavery, if somebody tries to tell you there were benefits, there were no benefits. There were no, nothing came out well when slavery was around. And uh, we're trying to actually get out of uh, uh, discrimination against African Americans. It's even to this day, I mean, the things that are happening. And then the, the affirmative action thing. We could just go on and on and on. But um, I want to move on to the next uh, question because I have so many things. You're such an amazing guest. I just want to, I want to, you know, uh, f you know, feed your brain and you feed my brain. Um, President Biden signed a proclamation designating national monuments to Emmett Till in Chicago, Illinois, Sumner, Mississippi, and Glendora, Mississippi. Emmett Till, nicknamed Bobo by his mother and civil rights activist Mamie Elizabeth Till Mobley was murdered, the, Emmett Till was murdered, because he supposedly whistled at a white woman back in 1955. Yeah. Mamie Till Mobley opted to keep her son's casket open. Mm -hmm. Mamie Till um, Mobley proclaimed, I wanted the world, this is a quote, I wanted the world to see what they did to my baby. Imagine being a mother, all right? Tens of thousands of people viewed Emmett's body and photographs circulated throughout the country with showing him the way he was. There was no makeup. You know, they even said, Do you, wanna, you sure you want to open the, the, the coffin and let people see that we could fix him up? No, she said, no. You know, I, want the, I want everyone to see what they Truth. did to my baby. Would you like, I know this is just a horrible thing, but would you like to comment about the president, what he did here, and then what your opinion about this is? Well, I was a Biden delegate in 2020 because he said he was going to heal America. And I think this is an example of Joe Biden taking steps to do just that. Mm -hmm. Nothing writes the injustice that was done to Emmett Till. And, Nothing. And, the, and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Well, you can go and on, we can and, go on, on yeah. and on, right? Uh -huh. yeah. But we do need to recognize that it happened and that call attention to the fact that we can go there as a race, as a human race, right? That people can be that cruel and inhuman. And maybe it'll make us think twice about, yeah. do we want to be part of that gang? Do we want to join that mentality? Or do we want to reach out and get to know our neighbor but does it as make, ourselves? Yeah, but to my truly question, love your neighbor. Yes. Does my, do, do, now my follow-up question to you would, would be, will it make children feel bad about themselves, because, white children, I should say, because of what happened to Emmett Till? Because in my, I would think, if I was a child, I would say, 
That was terrible, what happened then. I would never, ever dream of, of, of uh, ever doing that or thinking that way in, in, in my lifetime. And it would probably make more healing rather than uh, separating and causing kids to feel uh, uh, you know, like they're uh, feel responsible. Don't you? Don't you understand what I'm saying? I there? think we have to face up to what has happened. Of course. And that if it makes our white children a little bit squirmish, that's good. I think they need to realize the full potential of what humans can do, both good and bad. Yes. Yeah, so it doesn't happen again. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that mom really needs to be recognized as so many oh, other I love her. leaders. Uh, you know, I had the opportunity to shake John Lewis's hand on the Capitol grounds. Oh, no. And um, I, it was cool. I didn't. I, I could have done the whole picture thing. I'd love a picture with you, Mr. Lewis, but I was with friends, and it was more like, may I shake your hand? <laughs> I was just so in awe. So, you know, there, there's both sides, right? We have these people that, like the mom, who is fighting to for freedom and for a fair and just society and so people really know and then we have people like John Lewis who say you know you got to make some good trouble and crossing that bridge regardless of the police that mm -hmm. were beating them back and I, I we can't stop we can't let up our guard ever yeah because there's too many hate groups out there that that want to take over and so that statues those statues i think are really important mm -hmm. absolutely and I, and and i i i really praise uh president biden for for you know doing this because this this happened how many years ago 50 1955 to now yeah. i couldn't even add it it took this long for us as a country to recognize that what happened. And you know, as an added tidbit here, um, Rosa Parks, uh, who lived during that time, and this is a true story because I, I, I had heard this from someone that's a historian, um, Rosa Parks heard what happened and saw the whole thing about Emmett Till, and that prompted her to sit in the front of the bus. Oh, yeah. That's what, uh, she was just had it at that, that point. It. That was it. I'm done, you know. Wow. You, if you can kill our children, yeah. then you're worth, then, then I'm going to, I have to do something about this, and good for her, you know. I Absolutely. mean, so it, it, see what I mean? It, it took something like that, this woman putting her child in a coffin with without any, leaving it open, letting people see this is what, they did. And then you have people like Rosa Parks who comes along and says, oh my God, that's horrifying. So I'm going to do something now. Exactly. And then, so love spreads. It's, it's like yep. a, um, love travels is a good way to put it. You know, it, it, it just, you, one act of love goes to another act of love. Because, you know, civil rights is, is love. The fact that you can respect somebody's journey and, and um, respect them as a human being, that's love to me. You know, it is humanity at its best. Exactly, exactly. Um, so uh, now we're going to go into a little darker stuff here. <laughs> not not as dark as Emmett Till, but any time I talk about the former president, ah. to me that's very dark. <laughs> but um, the former twice impeached president uh, received a target letter preparing him for another in imminent indictment from the Justice Department. Why are all these indictments being ignored by the majority of Republicans who continue to support him and donate to his campaign? Now, all this money, 
that he got from these people, from his supporters, supposedly $40 million are going to, to lawyer him up, you know, so that he can defend himself against all, I mean, this numerous amount, these numerous amount of, uh, of indictments that are coming his way. What, 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 what's up with that? I don't know. I'll, I'll throw Why the ball at you. Why did people follow Hitler? Mm. I mean, I, I it's, is it, it, to me, it's the same. He's fascist. He's a con man. He's a crook. He needs to be locked up. Yeah, but I, I don't think I, he will, though. He won't be locked up. Well, I hope so. Because I, if you or I did half the things he did, it would be in jail. A already. long time ago, right. Yeah. Um, so I hope that it's enough for the majority of people, Americans, to wake up and say no. Uh-huh. But I know there are, I mean, we have a problem with what people read and what people have access to, too. I mean, if, if your only news outlet is Fox News, you're getting a very different story than if you're looking at a breadth of news outlets, right? Right, right. So I think there are people that have been brainwashed uh, to believe, <clears throat> just as the Germans were brainwashed, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, broaden your sad. horizons, watch <clears throat> different news exactly. outlets, be... Uh, Open-minded, you know, because if if, if your fellow na- if your fellow Americans are saying this guy is trouble, he's doing X, Y, and Z, why would you not? I mean, it, it's all over the news what he's doing. I mean, he's even saying now that they're doing this um, because they don't want you. Are they going to point it at them? Right. They don't want you to have your freedom. Like he's going to give them freedom. Sure. I don't know how, but get him <laughs> well, arrested. Good luck with that. Anyway, as you know, I always address issues that influence the lives of LGBTQ people, Americans on and LGBTQ people around the world on my show. A couple of weeks ago, the Supreme Court ruled on the side of a Colorado web designer who said she will not design any websites for any LGBTQ weddings. Will this decision open a Pandora's box, giving more and more business, businesses carte blanche to refuse service to our community? And can you give us your thoughts on this decision in general? Kind of going back to the lounge counter days, isn't it? Where you could only serve white people, right? Yeah, the, right. the blacks had to go somewhere else. I mean, that to me, that's what this is. It's discrimination, plain and simple, and it does not belong in our country. Yes. Well, that's a, that's a very good way to put it. And, 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 and it's funny because the minute you, you know, I've always said this, the minute you treat one group any differently than you treat another group, that makes that group not equal. Exactly. And you have to ask yourself, who's next? When yeah. are they going to come for me? Yeah. You know? First they come for us, then right. they come for them, then exactly. they come for you. Exactly. So you, you have to make sure everyone's um, given the same rights. And the fact that I can actually go into a—I mean, I don't know—I don't know where the, um, you know, the, it's a slippery slope, basically, is what yes. I'm saying. I don't know what's going to happen in the future because maybe I can go in with my husband. You know, we want to have an anniversary party, let's say, you know, and you know, and uh, we want to cater it, and we go in and we say, well, you know, my husband and I want to, you know, you to cater our, you know, and they turn myself, we don't do gay, gay anniversary, I mean, you know, things like that can happen. Absolutely. So, uh, and when you go into commerce, I mean, you're out there providing a service, you're supposed to provide the service for everybody. Yes. You know, and if you don't feel right about it, you can always um, contract it out to someone else that, that can help you, 
you know, do it. If you don't want to do it personally, you can, if you, you, every business has someone that they contract out to do, sometimes their workload is crazy and they can't, you know. Uh, it's not your specialty. Right. You could say so you something. could, or, yeah, or you could just say, yeah, I can, I can, I can get you help. I can get someone sure. to do it for you. You don't have to make a federal case out of it. This is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. Know? And on a lighter side, for all of us, we can ask, you know, do you object to doing cakes for, for gay marriages or whatever? And, and if they say yes, then, then you don't do business with them. You know, oh, well, even yeah. if, you're, if you're straight, right? It gives us a kind of a, a marker, a barometer to say, this is, this is, these are jerks. These are not people I'm going to give my money to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if I don't fit who they don't want to. And, so. and every business you, you can, uh, you know, online now that we have these reviews that you could review businesses and whether they're good business right. or they're... I won't whatever. go to Chick-fil-A. How about you? And you, could, yeah. <laughs> and you can say uh, in the review... They refused me and my husband, or whatever you, you and your wife, yep. um, um, service because we were gay. Yeah. And then those people will read that and they'll say, "Uh oh, that's not a place I want to go." You see, so um, that's another way to do it. But um, he made a federal, ca she made a federal case out of it. She could have just said, "You know what? Uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll we'll get you a web design." But see, the whole thing I, again. I keep saying this. She was not sued. This, I heard it was she, all made up. She was pre, pre uh, what's the word? She's trying to be proactive so that nobody would yeah, sue no, her. No, it was, it was a made up story. And the fact that the court took oh. it, you know, it's just. Yeah, uh, really, uh, Supreme absolutely Court. Ridiculous. And to, big, to piggyback on that, the court also ruled against implementing affirmative action when making college admission decisions. Can you tell why you think this court is so out of touch with the majority of Americans. Now, now, just so you know, affirmative action has given a lot of African Americans the opportunities that they have today. Otherwise, we wouldn't see as many African Americans in, in certain fields. So what are your, your, your views on that? Well, as a public educator, I understand there is a gap in high school achievement and college entrance and all kinds of things cross different uh, socioeconomic and racial groups. And so absolutely we need to recognize this. We also have to recognize that our tests were designed for certain groups and to hold certain groups back. And so when you look like at the SAT set test, I understand that was designed for white male kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's just not fair. Mm -hmm. um, and so we need we need to also get rid of that whole legacy thing where, you know, my dad went to this school or my mom so that I have, I have first dibs, right? All of that is discriminatory. Mm -hmm. And so I think affirmative action still has a place in America. I think we still need it. If we get to a point where we don't have discrimination in our institutions, great. You know, let's get rid of it. Mm -hmm. But we do. We have to just face facts. Yeah. that group, certain groups are being discriminated against. And so in order to make a, a richer university, diversity brings enrichment of a, ideas and thoughts, That's right, amazing. and creativity yeah. mm -hmm. that you would not otherwise have if you limit groups. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think it's a big mistake. Yeah, me too. And, you know, I, I always talk about this um, on my show that, when, when you become part of a marginalized community like I am, you start to understand everybody else's struggle. Does that make sense? Yes. Because uh, I, am, I am trying to pursue equality just like 
African Americans are, just like Native Americans are, and you can run down the list. And that makes me much more a believer in inclusion. Empathetic uh, also. And, uh, and, and white Americans who are white, Christian, uh, heterosexual, and those people that believe in inclusion as well, I, those are the people that you have to give them a, a huge hug because they, they, they're, they're actually more empathetic because they, they're starting to feel like, you know, this is not right and we need to um, become a more inclusive country where everybody is part of the American fabric. Otherwise, it's because, you know, I remember Lincoln reading in school. Do you remember the, the, uh, the quote from Lincoln, uh, a house divided shall not stand? Shall not stand right. And that is so, so true. I mean, don't, how do you feel about and that? Well, and the strength of our country is immigrants. We are, we are a nation of immigrants, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. we can't forget that and suddenly right. pretend we're anything else. Yeah, 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 true. Anyway, before we close out the show today, Vita, I can't believe all this time passed by so Me quickly. Me either, it went very quickly. <laughs> yeah, didn't it? Because it's fun. When you, when you come on the Downright Upright show, you have a lot of fun, Absolutely. Right? Yeah, although there are issues that aren't fun. I have to, <laughs> you know, I have to make sure I say that. But um, we want to put we, we want to put the those issues out there so people understand that this is happening and we want to do something about it. So that's why I address those issues. Um, so before we close up the show, is there any issue that I haven't covered that you'd like to address, or any future event you'd like to promote before we close the show? So either an, an issue or uh, something you want to promote, or both. So promotion-wise, the congressional district that I'm in, Congressional District 2, will have our fall gala fundraiser uh, October 22nd. And uh, Congresswoman Angie Craig, our wonderful congresswoman, will be there. Oh, wow. And we'll be raising funds that will be used to help keep CD2 Blue, elect Democrats up and down the ticket. What's the Um, date on that? It's October 22nd. It's a Sunday night, and it'll be at Next Chapter Winery. It's a really fun venue down in New Prague, Minnesota. Oh, wow. So watch for information about that. Yeah, it, they can go on your website, too, yes, to find that as well, yes, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. What's the website again? Um, I'm, I'm going to guess it's cd2dfl.org, uh, but um, okay. might be mndfl. You will have to look that one up. I'm okay, sorry. Okay, you can Google it, You right? can Google it. Yeah, we're All out right. there. Um, and then personally, where I live... Uh-huh. We have a company called Niagara Bottling, Water Bottling Company out of California right. that um, wants to use our the city of Elko Newmarket's municipal water system to bottle and sell water, right? So taking the groundwater that's basically ancient mined water. It's clean. It's very clean. Well, water, right? it has to be actually treated with uh, reverse osmosis because there's radium in it. So it's not like you just pump it out and use it. You have to use reverse okay. osmosis. But they want to bottle and sell it in single-use plastic water bottles um, in places like Costco and Sam's Club here in Minnesota and Wisconsin and some out in the Dakotas. And we object. We object to this use of our land and our water. We object to 2.4 billion plastic water bottles being sold 
when we know a number of those mm -hmm. will never get recycled and are just helping our petroleum industry, right? Fossil mm -hmm. fuel industry. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's just an affront on many, many levels. And so I'm with a group called No to Niagara. And you can Google us, you'll find us all over the web. Um, okay. That has objected. The city council, unfortunately, has approved pretty much everything it takes for this bottling plant to come into the community in their new industrial park. Mm -hmm. um, the last step is the DNR. Our state department of natural resources would have to approve increasing their water appropriation to like 310 million gallons a year in order to um, at least get this water bottling plant started. And then they'd need to come back in the near future and ask for more to be able to get to full capacity. Mm. Um, and so my hope is that people in the DNR will pay attention and that residents who know about this, you may have, it was on the news several times, will write in and let them know, please pay attention and this mm -hmm. is not a good use. We have um, predictions from Met Council and others that there'll be water shortages, that we're gonna have to look for alternative sources of water in the South Metro in many communities. Oh boy. Um, you know, we might be looking at trying to pump in river water much more expensive than using your groundwater. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be a little bit forward thinking. Um, we have the headwaters of the Vermilion River start right in our community, right near my house. I'm worried about my private well running dry, as are others. Uh, so there's a whole lot of issues with it, but I would just encourage people to look into that if you haven't already heard of it. And let, let your elected officials, let the DNR know that you think this is a very bad idea. Yeah, and, we, and you and I, you know, was speaking before we went on the air here, about how when we grew up, um, we had bottled uh, water, real bottles, glass bottles, uh, and milk was in bottles. Reusable, yes. You, you know, you would, you, I remember mom would, um, she would, you know, put the, um, there was like a, a, a crate in the front of the house with old bottles that yep. were used bottles, and we'd put them in the front, and the milkman would come, replace that crate, and give us a new one, with full, uh, bottles, f you know, filled with milk, and the same thing with soda. We had this company; um, they're, they're defunct now, but um, they were called Hoffman. It was a water, uh, a soda company. Do you, we, you lived in I New don't York, remember I that one. No, I actually that was grew up in Wisconsin. But we would take our used waters back to the trading post, or our used pop bottles, I should say, or beer bottles, yeah. whatever it was, back in a case. Yeah, yeah. To the trading post where we bought them, and they would give us a deposit, right? Yeah, and glass is made of and glass, sand. Yeah, it's not a, it's it got not a, washed and reused. So yeah, it's not a better. it's not a expensive uh, endeavor. But the point of uh, well, Hoffman, I was going to get back to Hoffman is a soda company. Yeah. And and they had root beer and black cherry and all these flavors. I remember loving it, you know. And and then again, the same thing. We would have the crate in the front of the, sure. of the house, and when the bottles were empty, they'd come replace them and give us full bottles. And they, it was not a problem. Um, like you said, the the uh, petroleum industry has just taken over uh, this country in, in a way where, it, and, and, and not in a good way. Because, you know, even the streetcars we used to have in New York that I remember my mother telling me stories, we used to have streetcars. They ran on a, a rail, and you would, you know, uh, it was a wonderful way of, of getting from point A to point B. And then the petroleum industry said, no, we got to rip those up because they wanted people to use their cars so that sure. you could use gasoline. So I, I, I was there. You know, I, I lived through all of this, uh, these changes, and I don't like them. I just don't. And 
Well, single use just, you know, we, it doesn't make sense anymore. No, of we, course not. we were not real smart about it in earlier years when it was a matter of convenience and it seemed wonderful, but now we know you get a reusable water bottle or you get a big jug and you use it. You don't have to, you know, there's no reason, right, none right. for yeah, that. Correct. So, Well, unfortunately, Vita, um, we've come to the end of the show today. I am so sad because I, I could go on and on with you talking. I mean, you just full of information. And this is another reason why I love doing this show, because I learn so much from my guests. I really do. I mean, you guys are, I mean, all of you that have been on my show as guests, I just want to thank each and every one of you for enlightening me about things that I really never thought about or didn't know about. Um, so uh, for more information about Vita Connets and how you can become active in Senate District 57, go to dfl57.org, or you can write directly to Vita um, at uh, chair at dfl57.org. So thank you, Vita, so much for coming to thank the Downright Thank you uh, for inviting show. me. Oh, yeah, you this betcha. has been wonderful. We could do it again soon if you want. <laughs> I sounds mean, great. I've had recurring guests. I mean, actually, Austin was one of my... Uh, recurring guest, so I'd love to have you. She's as, great. Isn't she amazing? Yes. I love her to death. Um, and to the listeners, thank you for spending time with us today, and please look out for more of the Downright Upright show in the future on am950radio.com slash events slash Philip with one L. And thank you again for supporting the Downright Upright show, everybody out there. The more clicks and the more likes and the more subs we get, the better it is. Uh, and you mean everything to me, and I want to thank you all uh, out there for your love and support. And this is Philip Anthony saying thank you for tuning in to the Downward Upright Show, and be safe, and ciao for now.